All right, guys. So I wanted to kick off today with a an interesting question. And uh, if you're not at a table, maybe we can kind of talk about, but, but talk about this at your tables. And you guys on Zoom, feel free to talk about it as well. So here's my question. If you had a dream three nights in a row, so three nights in a row you had the same exact dream. So in this dream, like just pretend this dream is really vivid. Like it's crisp. It's, it's like you, you, you know exactly what happens in the dream. Like it's clear to you. And you have it same exact thing three nights in a row. How would you know whether or not that dream is a message from God or not? Right? How would you know? How would you make up that decision? Talk about that. This is like a cold fakes question. This is a hard one. Uh, so, so you guys talk about it at your tables, and uh, we'll come back here in a minute. Just how would you make that, de- that determination? I'm loving what I'm hearing. I'm hearing lottery discussion over here. I'm waiting. I'm... Has anyone ever had a dream, the same dream three nights in a row? So I think the only dream, we'll kind of gather it back up as you guys finish, but the only dream I've ever had that just seemed to recur and recur and recur, it always happens, it's, it's, it's been since I've been a younger adult, and it's always that for some reason I'm back on the high school basketball team, and I'm getting ready to play a game, and I'm completely out of shape, and I can't make it up the court, and I find myself crawling on the basketball court because I'm so tired, and I can't make it down the court, and I just embarrass myself in front of all the crowd. And, and so that's the only dream I have that keeps happening over and over again. But it's never happened three nights in a row. So for you guys who kind of joined in late, the question was, let's pretend like you have the same exact vivid dream three nights in a row. How would you know it's a message from God or not? Do you want to have a really good thought on how you would know whether or not that's a message from God? Contrary to God's word would be a great indication that, that it's not from God, right? Yep. Yeah. Pray about it. Pray about it. What? Ask, ask God to reveal his wisdom to you. Yeah. Get some counsel. I almost feel like either you guys have spent too much time with me or... Clausner has been hacking into my files and sending you guys my notes, right? So well done. You guys nailed it. So that's exactly what I would do, right? Say you have one of these just odd deals. The greatest thing to do is always to, all right, well, is, is what I'm experiencing, is what I'm experiencing in anything in life, dreams, whether it be, is what I'm experiencing as guidance, is it consistent with the Word of God or is it not, right? Simple as that. Is it consistent with the Word of God? Have I prayed about it? Is it ambiguous? Have I prayed about it? Have I sought counsel? And have I sought counsel not just from one person? Because just as a good tip, like good advice, if you ever need like really good guidance on something, never just go to one person at, at a time. Go to three or four people. Uh, because if you go to just one person, they all love you so much. They don't want to tell you something that you don't want to hear. They'll agree to whatever you have to say. right? So, so go to three or four people at a time so that they can have a nice counsel uh, to discuss with you. But if you've done those things, if you've done those things, and especially if, if, if you're getting guidance to go do something, it's consistent with the command that God gives us, why not do it? Right? If it's consistent with God's command, go do it. You're, you're aligning up with his will. And so what we have to have, though, to pull that off is something very basic. To know whether or not something is consistent with the word of God, what do you have to do? What do you have to know? So if, if you need to know what the Word of God says to help make your decisions, know if you lie or not, you need to actually know the Word of God. Now, Proverbs speaks to a slippery slope 
of just ruin and despair and different things that will happen if you don't start with the right foundation. And so I want to I want to just I really want you to keep that dream thought in mind because you can take that same analogy and apply it to just about anything you've got any decision you've got going on in life. But let's look at what Proverbs has to say about this. So we're going to be in Proverbs 19 uh, verses 2 and 3. And so let me read it to you. It says, Desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. Uh, and as I was reading through Proverbs, trying to determine which passages to teach on, which passages to kind of scoot over, uh, this, what really popped out to me in this verse was the last line. It says, His heart rages against the Lord. And so I want to kind of track through what, how we get to the point that we actually rage against the Lord. I don't normally quote the message, uh, but if you guys have ever read the message, it's a, it's a very, it's a very summarized version of the Bible in very modern uh, language written by Eugene Peterson. And so I looked up the message on this one, probably just because I just got done reading a Eugene Peterson book and so my respect level for the guy is at an all-time high at the moment. Uh, But this is how he quotes uh, verses 2 and 3. He says, Ignorant zeal is worthless. Haste makes waste. People ruin their lives by their own stupidity. So why does God always get blamed? Right? And you just think about that. People ruin their lives by their own stupidity and God gets the blame. Right? And so... We've got this cycle that we go through, and I guarantee you, you've got people in your lives who have gone through this cycle, and we see story after story in the Bible of people who go through this cycle. And if you look at your note page that I sent out last night, it's just very, very simple. You start with ignorance, right? Ignorance. You know, and that may be just not having proper knowledge of what is good, not having proper knowledge of what God's commands are. You start with ignorance. You combine that then with zeal, with this, with this haste to go, this excitement to go and do something, right? You combine that with zeal, and it leads to ruin. It leads to absolute ruin. It, I mean, you just kind of think about it. It makes a lot of common sense. If God has told us how to live this life, if he's told us what wisdom is, he says, follow my commands, and you will lead the life that I'm wanting you to lead. You know, all things are good for those who, who, who trust in me, right? Like, if, 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 if everything in the Bible lines up, and he's told us the way to live, and by going outside of that in zeal, it makes complete sense that it would lead to ruin. Right, that as, as verse uh, 3 says, a man's folly brings his way to ruin. But what's fascinating about this is that the final result is that our heart rages against the Lord. As we find ourselves in that ruin, as we suffer the consequences of our own stupidity, right? And I think stupidity is a strong word, but it kind of makes sense. Like you step back and you go, how stupid does it seem to have, I mean, to have like a very clear book? that God himself wrote, that says, live the life this way, right? It does kind of sound stupid when you really think about it. Like, if you believe what I just said, if you believe that God himself, the inspired, Holy Spirit inspired every word that is in this book in his created order, and this is how we should live, it does seem stupid to not actually obey. Yet, when we don't obey, which it happens to me all the time, we rage against the Lord. And in a simple, simple explanation of this, I know most of the time that I'm in a rage, 
right? And rage is probably a strong word, but whenever I'm really angry, uh, it's normally three things that can drive that in me. My kids, my wife, my job, right? My kids, my wife, my job. And most of the time, especially in the first two, but, but Josh would tell you the third one, this was probably true as well, but, but my kids and my wife, normally when I'm mad and I am really angry with them and I am lashing out, it's my own darn fault, right? It's my own darn fault. I am more mad at myself, I'm angry with myself than I am anything else, but I take it out. I just hate that. I just hate that. And then same thing, same thing at work. Yeah, Major Duck, you mad at yourself too? Yeah. Now, you know, it's awesome. You guys are not in my top five. You know, you're great. Yeah. It's uh, not the source of my anger or resentment at all. But normally in my job, when something goes wrong and it's causing me a whole lot of stress and anxiety and I'm angry, I can trace it back to a bad, unwise decision that I've made. Right. But it's never my fault. In that anger, in that anger, it is never my fault. I can come up with all kinds of reasons why it's your fault, right? Especially with my wife. I've got, I've got a plethora of reasons why any argument is her fault. She has a plethora plus one of reasons why it's my fault. And normally, for some reason, she wins that argument. So I don't know how that works. But, but there's, there's this natural cycle in us. We have some type of bad knowledge, we combine it with zeal, we, we, we move quickly on things, it leads to bad consequences, and we blame somebody else, we rage against the Lord. Uh, and this has really serious consequences in this last point, when we really rage against the Lord. Well, I think, I think it's when we say natural to, to rage against the Lord, too, if you kind of think about it, you know, you got to be careful with the word natural, because a lot of people will hear the word natural and think natural is okay, Right? I'm naturally inclined to lust, right? I'm naturally inclined to sin. You know, I'm naturally inclined to get very angry, right? There, there's all kinds of those. And I think, I think there is a bit of us in this fallen order that we are in, this fallen chaos is probably a better word that we're in. We tend to rebel against God because we are not God, right? I mean, that, that kind of traces all the way back to the very original. So this has, this has real consequences. And so if you kind of flip it on the side, and let's say, as opposed to think about the bad example of this, what does good look like? And good is very, very simple. Good is your desires are consistent with godly desires, right? Your obedience is consistent with instructions given to us in the Word. Our actions are based on knowledge of the Word of God, and we follow through with these things. I mean, it's that simple, Right, but it starts with a very firm foundation. So, going back to the ignorant zeal, I want to just play out a scenario of how this cycle works. So, so let's let's recreate this dream illustration for just a second. And, and I'm going to tell you up front. I'm going to tell you this scenario. This is not a true scenario. If anyone writes to my wife and tells them that Blake uh, has something to confess, this is not true. But this is a good scenario to think about. But I go, what if I had a dream tonight? What if I had a dream tonight, and I had it for the next three nights? Same dream every night in a row. And this dream was very clear, and it seemed to me that I, that I needed to do something a little different. What if this dream told me to go find this woman I'd met at this coffee shop? Right? And, and I needed to leave my wife, and I needed to run away with this new person. Right? I just needed to run away with the girl from the coffee shop. There is no girl from the coffee shop, by the way, okay? So just uh, get that in your heads. There is no girl. We don't need to call Marty about some sort of conflict Blake has, right? But, but, but that's what the dream says. And so then let's, let's pretend this, these are the steps I take. 
I immediately go the next day and I try to find this woman, right? I try to find her. So you go back to the proverb, I am making haste with my feet, right? I'm going quickly after this desire, right? I leave a note for my wife that tells her our marriage is over. You know, I've got the coffee shop woman on the side. Uh, I update my social media feed with the, the it's complicated, you know, in my relationship status. Uh, I need to then, to follow down this trail, probably be a good idea for me to inform Terry Fakes and Marty Grubbs that, you know, this whole pastoral thing I've been doing is probably not going to work out very well. Uh, I'm, I'm embracing this vision, this dream I had. And then I'd probably need to go buy another gun to protect myself against Kim's brother, who's going to come after me, right? So, so I mean, you kind of go down this road. You know, this is a... Yeah, this is, that, this is that unspoken prayer request, yeah. So if you go down this road, what am I doing? I am making a decision based on knowledge, which is not good, and I'm making haste with that decision. And then what are the consequences? What, what would you guys think the consequences of this decision would be in my life? Just, what's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, God's not winning. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I've, all, everything's been lost, right? So my, my marriage is obviously going to be over. Uh, my relationship with my kids will forever be tainted, right? Forever. I mean, that's, it's almost impossible to repair stuff like that. My wife and my kids are probably going to have some fairly severe emotional issues for life. Uh, I'm probably going to be financially ruined. I do depend upon the job, you know, here at Crossings. I mean, uh, just walking away from my career would lead to financial ruin, as well as would have direct impacts on my wife and kids. And I would lose this right? This community that God has given me, I am rejecting, right? I am absolutely rejecting. I couldn't walk back in here next Wednesday and teach you guys with that in my life, right? I'd hope you wouldn't let me teach you guys with that in my life. Yeah, yeah, and my brother-in-law catch it up with me. It's not going to be an issue, right? But you think about that. Think about all I would lose. Think about all I would lose, right? And it's because I made haste with a decision which was with knowledge that was not good, Right, absolutely, my folly would bring my way to ruin. And then, when I get to ruin, my reaction would probably be, especially in these scenarios, God, why have you allowed this to happen? God, I was just trying to be happy. God, you told me, you gave me the dream to go do this, right? I mean, that, that was a natural dream. Like, you know, you gave me this idea, why have you allowed all this to happen? Wife, kids, it's not my fault. I was just trying to be happy. Don't you want me to be happy? Right? So you think about that. This, this rage against God that would occur as I'm in ruin is something we see time and time again. Time and time again. I, this scenario is, is one of these scenarios that I, I, wish, I wish I could tell you that what I just said was an outrageous deal. Like, I wish I, wish I could tell you it didn't happen right inside Grosson's Community Church all the time, not with our pastors, right, but God help us, uh, but, but you, you, just, you just look at this, I can't tell you how many, how many kids in our student ministry and young adults come to us and say, I don't believe in God, why don't you believe in God? A good God wouldn't allow what happened to my parents to happen, right, I don't believe in God, right, I mean, if you look at that and you go, well, yeah, no, my wife and I, we, we split up because, you know, we were, you know, we just weren't happy, you know, and well, what impact does that have your kids? Well, you know, um, you know they're, they're fine. You know, the kids are absolutely devastated. And you say, you just think about all this. There are real consequences. There are real consequences. There's also redemption, right? But there's real consequences. But we have to start back 
And always make sure we're basing that very, very first step on knowledge of the Word of God. Allowing knowledge of the Word of God to direct our paths. Don't just know it, but know it and allow it to direct us. We see this time and time again in the Bible where people just screw up. Right? They absolutely screw up. Saul is one of the greatest examples of this, I believe. Uh, king Saul, b- uh, back in you know, the very first king of Israel, this guy had everything going for him. I mean, he, he looked the part. Uh, he, he had some initial military success. He was able to rally the people. He had been like the first guy to actually be able to do anything with the Philistines since Samson. I mean, he, was, like, he had it all going for him. And yet, he continued to follow this cycle over and over again. Uh, He got in a hurry. He was afraid. And so in his ignorance, he made haste and he made some really bad decisions, right? Those decisions led to consequences. And he kept saying, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. You know, uh, he kept rejecting any accountability on this. You know, if you read, if you turn to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 22, uh, there's this great story where we see this play out in, in really some of the, you know, most consequential detail. This whole cycle. This is a story where Saul is, is pretty much, he's chasing David. David, it's clear David's going to be the next king. Saul's not happy with that. Uh, Saul really wants to kill David. He's tried to kill him multiple times. David's squirmy, keeps getting out of the way. And so Saul's on a rampage now. He's in a rage against God. He's in a rage against his people. He's in a rage against everything uh, to go and kill David. So let me read this. First uh, Samuel twenty-two sixteen through 19. And the king said, you shall surely die, talking to this guy. He says, you and all your father's house will die. And the king said to the guard who stood about him, turn and kill the priest of the Lord, because their hand also is with David. And they knew that he fled and did not disclose it to me. But the servants of the king would not put out their hands to strike the priest of the Lord. Then the king said to this other guy who apparently was there, he says, you turn and strike the priest. And this guy turned and struck down the priests, and he killed on that day 85 persons who wore the linen. And Nob, the city of the priests, he put to the sword both man and woman, child and infant, ox, donkey, and sheep, he put to the sword. All right, so we see Saul take this all the way. Ignorance, we see haste, or we see zeal, we see haste, we see ruin, and we see rage against God all started with a very bad understanding of who he was, who God was, what his role was in God's kingdom at the time. And he continued to slide down that path. And we can just repeat that cycle with with Saul in particular time and time again. Now, did David, we always look at David as as a different example compared to Saul, but did David ever make mistakes that were based on knowledge that was outside the will of God? Absolutely. Right? He made a few pretty big ones, right? So what's the difference between Saul and David? He had the same dream you had. Yeah, yeah, David did have the same dream I had, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Again, I did not actually have that dream, nor have I acted upon that dream. Let me caveat that yet again. But yeah, David, yeah, yeah, David, David, David did exactly what I just talked about. He acted upon the coffee shop girl, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit differently. David made a lot of mistakes. Saul made a lot of mistakes. What's the difference between the two? He repented. He repented of his mistakes. When Saul made a mistake, he doubled down in rage and actually went and, I mean, in this example, he goes and, and, and takes out his rage and violence on people of God, on the people who were accountable for, for providing God's word and God's instructions, right? He takes that out. 
He gets paranoid. He, 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 it's not his fault. David, when he's confronted with his sin, he immediately, immediately, in every case, repents. He repents of what he has done. He's humbled before God. He changes his direction. This is a great, you know, I, I set this up. What's the difference between Judas and Peter? What's the difference between Judas and Peter? They both screwed up in a big, big way. Peter rejected Christ three times after he had told him, I will never, ever abandon you. He rejected him three times. Judas, you know, gave him up, right? They both sinned in a very big way. What's the difference between the two? Repentance. Judas did not repent, and he ended up hanging from a tree, as I recall. That's how he killed himself, right? I'm looking to the pastor back here. He hung himself from a tree. Peter, Peter repents, seeks forgiveness. Christ, in his grace, forgives Peter, and not only forgives him, but gives him a job. He says, go feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, right? He gives him a job, builds a church on that rock, right? Makes him a fisher of men. I mean, completely changes Peter's life. Repentance was, I mean, changing, changing his direction, going back to Christ, seeking forgiveness is the only difference in the story of Peter and Judas. And it's really the only difference in the story of David and Saul. Repentance. You look at this in Revelation 16.10, Revelation 16.10, this is when, and I, I, I hate to even teach out of the book of Revelation at all. Just if you ever want to know anything about Revelation, watch Terry Fakes' series on Revelation. Uh, watch it five times, then ask me a question about it. But, I mean, it's a phenomenal series. But in Revelation 16.10, we're, we're seeing the bowls of wrath being poured out, right? Bowls of wrath being poured out. And, and I love this passage. It says, The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. And his kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. The difference in all of us, we are all sinners. All of us. I've sinned three times today, at least right before I got here, right? I mean, it, I mean it's like at least, like we are all sinners. The difference is, do we repent or not? David's a great hero for us to look at. There are so many great qualities of David for us to admire, but the primary quality we should admire is his humble repentance, right? When he understood who he was, who God was, and what that meant. So if you go back to that cycle, I think it's very helpful in that application to know where you are at any given point on that cycle. Are you at the point of ignorance, right? Are you at the point of ignorance, I don't know the difference between the will of God and something that's outside the will of God. I don't know the difference between, is this something God wants for me, or is this something that I'm convincing myself I want because the world wants it, right? I don't know the difference. You guys are faced with decisions every single day that start with that, right? Is this something that is within God's command, God's instruction, or is it not, right? And, if you, and so if you're in that phase and you don't know what the will of God is, I, I just encourage you. I mean, make that a priority in your life. Make that the first priority like, is, is make sure you have a deep appreciation for the word of God because you know how important it is, right? How important it is. We don't want to come to church and just sprinkle a little Jesus on top, right? I mean, that's just not going to work. Uh, it, it's, it's just... It's not the way God calls us. He calls us to exude his word, to live it, to breathe it, right? To memorize it, to study it, to to make sure it is what guides us. It is the light uh, in our lives. So start there. 
But let's say you've, you've, you are ignorant to something, because God knows I am on a daily basis. You are ignorant to something, and you get to this point where you can make a decision quickly or not. You can make haste or you cannot make haste, right? If you're not sure in that point in time to make haste or to not make haste, what should you do? Yeah. Be still. Know that you are not God. God is God. Your thoughts are not his thoughts. You know, his ways are not your ways. Be still at times. Right? This is why this group of men is, is so critically important. If you're struggling with something, if you're trying to make a decision, you may be ignorant to something. I know I am. You may be ignorant too. Come seek the counsel of your brothers in Christ. Right? Seek counsel. Pray. Pray to God that he would reveal it to you. you know, I try to teach my kids how to read the word of God. And I always tell them, it's like a conversation. I was like, you start the conversation by praying. He puts his part of the conversation in whenever you read the word of God. That's his word speaking to you, right? You end the conversation again with a prayer, right? So I was like, there's, there's a cycle to how we actually talk to God. It's not, I mean, it's mystical, it's supernatural, it is. Uh, but it's also practical. He's made it very practical to us. So in those moments where you can make those quick decisions, you can, you can make haste, be slow with your feet, right? Go to prayer. Go to God. There are so many examples in the Bible where people have been afraid or anxious or felt like they didn't have a choice, felt like their back was up against the wall, and they took things into their own hands without going to God. Thank God, uh, Hezekiah, whenever he had his back up against the wall, fairly literally, whenever the Assyrians were at the gates, whenever, you know, they were marching in and the Rabshakeh was, was taunting the, all the people of Israel, and they thought that Jerusalem itself was going to be lost to history from the Assyrians, like every other town in Israel pretty much had been at that point in time. He's sitting there faced with that decision, and what does he do? He goes to Isaiah. He goes to the prophet. He goes to the word of the Lord. In that big of a decision, he didn't make haste. And God responded, right? Let's be patient at times with our decisions. Let's assume, though, you've forgotten to do that too, right? And so now we're in ruin. We're in absolute ruin. We are suffering the consequences of a decision based on ignorance in zeal, right? And now we're in ruin. Same thing. David found himself here. You know, Job found himself here. All kinds of people found himself here. Repentance and seeking of forgiveness is where we come back. God can redeem us from any situation. He can redeem everything. He, I mean, he's paid the price for everything. Be humble enough to repent in those situations. And even rage. You know, I think about, when I think about rage and, and really calling out to God, I always go back to the story of Job. Job was pretty far gone, right? He had been as respectful as he could. He had suffered so much. He could not come up with any other explanation for what was going on other than that God was wrong. God was wrong. And he didn't understand that either, but God was wrong, and he was angry about it. And in that moment, he did the right thing. He went to God, and in his rage, God did not punish him for his rage. He explained it to him. He allowed him to repent. He forgave him, and he restored him, right? So I just want to think about even in that rage, even those moments where it's like, you, you cannot be God, Right? God can redeem us from those moments too. I can't tell you how many people I talk to that they have come to the conclusion that God cannot exist. And the reason they come to the conclusion that God cannot exist is because they just don't understand why something in their life has allowed, been allowed to happen. Some tragedy in their life has happened and they just can't understand how. 
how. And so they rage. And in their rage, they just reject completely. And they find another way. Right? God can redeem us from that. And the way he will redeem us is the way he did it with Job. He goes back and he reminds Job who he is. He fixes the misconception Job had. Job had an idea of who God was, and he was a faithful servant, but Job was wrong about some things. God reminded Job who he was, right? And he can remind any of us who he is. There's this famous Tim Keller quote that Tim, Tim Keller, you know, you guys all know, probably most of you guys know Tim Keller, famous pastor out of Manhattan, uh, dealt with a very skeptical crowd his entire pastoral career, has written some incredible books. Uh, but he has this quote whenever he's talking to people who just say, I don't believe in God. And he says, tell me about the God you don't believe in. Tell me about the God you don't believe in, because I, don't, I bet I don't believe in that God either. Right? And so what's he doing? He's going to get them to pull out what is it that is keeping them from believing in God, because they probably have ignorance when it comes to the actual nature of God. So he's going to use that as an entry point to remind them of who God actually is, why God loves them through the pains, through the turmoil, why this world is the way it is, why suffering exists, all these deep questions that lead people to leave the faith or to never have it to begin with. He can get them to it by going back to the very beginning of this cycle and reminding them this is who God is. So I just want to encourage you guys, one, to try to never get down the end of this cycle, right? I mean, if we live lives of wisdom, we should always start right there in that first box, right? To, to have knowledge of the word of God and act accordingly. But we will mess up. We're going, to have, we're going to be ignorant. We're going to have zeal. We're going to make bad decisions. We're going to face ruin. We're going to rage. We're going to deal with all these things. Let's remember in each moment to have an appreciation for the word of God, to know when to repent, when to seek forgiveness, right? When to confess these things, right? Every time, God in his love and his grace can redeem us in the midst of those trials. Make sense? All right. If it doesn't, talk to me after class. All right. Let me pray for us and we'll get out of here today. Father, I thank you so much for these guys and I thank you for your word. I, I thank you for just these great stories we get to have. Uh, sometimes, sometimes your word can be really complicated and we have to really dig deep. Uh, but a lot of times it's very simple and I, I hope at times we can accept the simple answer. You, you've just let us know. You've made it clear to us how to live, why to live. You've made it clear to us what love looks like. I was asking you would just help us be faithful in the simple things here today. We don't need to make it more complicated than it is. But for in those times that we screw up, and I know we all will, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for the opportunity we have to repent, to change our direction, to go back to you. I thank you for your grace, for we surely need it. In Jesus' name, amen.